Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to the Runners World podcast with me, Rick Pearson, me Ben Hobson, and me Jane Maguire. Today we're speaking with 800 meter ace Elliot Giles. So uh, yeah, talking with a, a proper athlete today. Quite exciting. Are you, are you casting dispersions immediately about our previous guest, Rick? Talk about throwing shade in the first 30 seconds. <laughs> we've, had some, we've had some excellent runners on. We've had some amazing runners before. Um, I, don't, I don't think we've had real, uh, a track star, though. Not a track star for, for possibly ever or certainly for a while. But he's, yeah, I mean, I guess a lot of people remember Elliot Jaws. He broke um, Seb Coe's 800 metre indoor record earlier uh, this year. And it was just sort of like a real like breakthrough um performance for him um so yeah we are really exciting to to speak with him and um yeah as listeners will discover his his way of training is uh is is proper mavericking i would say yeah. he's like an, he's a genuine maverick he just swims everywhere there's no, no running no, no swimming but it's a lot of um close a lot of elliptico work oh really yeah, yeah. Oh, i wasn't i uh, uh you know as my my shock and surprise to all this is because I didn't I wasn't part of the interview with Rick when Rick and Jane did this so this is all new to me too listeners so um, I'm being told trade secrets as as you're hearing them too come on then what else did he do well I, I won't do too much of a spoiler but I think this this is headline stuff so he's an elite 800 meter runner and the people he's racing against are ordinarily putting together weeks that I reckon are probably between sort of 60 and 80 miles a week so quite fairly big mileage. Guess how many miles a week Elliot Giles runs? Um, I, I mean, you've you've set this up for me to just say half, <laughs> to, thirty, to undermine thirty, it. fifteen, one five. What? Fifteen miles. He does three runs a week, just three wow. runs. Okay. Yeah. Um, no long run, no long running, no long slow running. Um, and he's you know he's he's absolutely one of the best people in the world, and it's um. It's just remarkable, I think, and it's really inspiring to hear that you can, yeah. you can compete on your own yeah. terms and doing things your own way if you kind of work with with your body and what you're what you're good at. I have one question: how uh, what how far does an eight hundred meter runner? What constitutes a long run for an eight hundred meter runner? I think that a lot of eight hundred meter runners will be doing a kind of between a sort of twelve to fifteen mile um, long run something like wow that. okay that's longer than i thought interesting okay mm. yeah but not elliot he's he's out there on the elliptico beasting himself on the elliptico yeah going wow. up and down the hills 
So he goes, he does hill work on the, on the elliptical. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Ah, that's yeah. I mean, I like these stories because I'm not a high mileage kind of runner, but I haven't done any racing or achieved any greatness. But also, <laughs> also, also I don't think my body responds well to it. So yeah. it's quite, it's always, it's always nice to hear. Like I know that Sophie Power, she was, when we had her on and she talked about her training for the UTMB, I mean, this was, postpartum so there was that was in effect but i think even before then she was sort of saying that when she was training for ultras she would max out at i think it was 30 miles a week yeah it wasn't big miles yeah it was something and it was all the rest of it was all cross training and things like that and it was it was it's it's good to hear like because you know a lot of running marathon training anything distance related tends to always double down on like big mile weeks you've got to be racking up these big old oh how oh my training week last week i did 70 miles ho 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 ho, look at me you know there's that bravado with it so it's always it's always interesting to hear when someone goes like i'm a i'm an elite athlete and i did 15 miles every week and i'm gonna go to the olympics see you later yeah totally yeah totally and he was um he's a very very nice charismatic bloke as well so it's yeah it's great to chat to him and Without giving away too many other secrets, I think we should go and talk to our guest of the week. Guest of the week, here in the studio, guest of the week, sometimes on the phone, could be an athlete, could be a physio, or a complete unknown. Our guest this week holds the British record for the 800 metres indoors and is one of Team GB's medal hopefuls at the Tokyo Olympics this summer. But what makes his story even more remarkable is that back in 2014, he was involved in a terrible motorbike accident that left him barely able to walk. Here to talk about running, recovery and unusual training methods, it's Elliot Giles. So welcome to the Runners World podcast. Hello, hello. Great to have you on. Uh, Could we start with where and when your um, running journey began? I started running just as I left school. Um, So I was 16. Um, I got, in short, I got fed up with playing other sports and just decided to try my hand at, at running. I uh, went down to the local running club, got turned away on the first approach. And luckily my first coach, um, my first coach, Eddie, gave me a shot and took me under his wing and it sort of blossomed from there. So they turned you away. That seems like, that's a bit like kind of not signing the Beatles, isn't it? It seems like a weird decision from a running club. What's that about? Oh, I'll take that as a massive compliment. <laughs> I'm not, not quite, not quite there yet. <laughs> But no, um, um, so at, at Birchfield, they have, um, they're quite strict on who they let in and who they don't let in because they're big, they're quite a, a big club and they have sort of quite a long waiting list. But I just figured if I don't try my luck, I'll never find out. And luckily, as um, as I was turned away by the people at the registration desk, my um, my my to be coach was walking past and said, "No, I'll I'll take him one. Just let him come with me and I'll give him a trial." And and yeah, we sort of hit it off from there. That's amazing. So actually, that is that's quite late, isn't it? To um just kind of take running seriously because I guess a lot of people that you'd be up against would be people who you know joined the club age you know six or seven but you actually got into it when you were when you were 16. Yeah it's all it's all relative isn't it I mean I I played other sports I always kept fit I guess I just didn't quite push my body to the the realms of sort of you doing training um but I was always I always kept fit I always played every sport I could and um yeah and then I I took my hand to running fairly late well very late in terms of being a professional athlete I guess but um I actually think if I joined any earlier, I probably would have. I probably wouldn't have continued because I got bored of so many different sports um, that I might not have been running at this point if I went any earlier. How old were you when you had your accident, and can you talk about that and what happened and how that kind of affected you? Uh, so I was. How old was I now? Um, so it's twenty fourteen. So I was about twenty one. Um, was I twenty one? 
I was about no, I wasn't twenty one. I was about nineteen or twenty. One of the two. Sorry, I, sh I should know that, but I can't even think. Um, I've been nineteen or twenty. Um, and yeah, in short, it was. I, I at the time I was only running. I think my personal best was. So I was nineteen. My personal best was roughly one minute fifty three seconds. Um, so I wasn't even. I guess you couldn't even. You could argue that I wasn't even really considered to be an athlete because one minute fifty three didn't even get you an invitation to British Champs. Um, and I was nineteen at the time. But prior to that, I was actually injured for about three, three years. So I started running at 16. I ran for about a year and a half to two years. And I then spent, um, I then spent, yeah, I, I was then, did I even run for a, a year? I was pretty much injured for so long. I mean, wow. the majority of my, the, my start of my running career is so checkered that a lot of it was actually spent on the sidelines. Because in my first year, I managed to get an England best um, when I turned 17. Um, and then um, 17, 18, and 19 were all injury years. Um, and then it wasn't until after the crash. So the crash actually came after my period of injury and the crash sort of allowed me to sort of rebuild, regather myself and build up slowly through the help of um, James Brewer. He was based at uh, Twickenham St. Mary's at, at my university. And he's, he's largely the reason why I was able to put the pieces to the puzzle together because he kind of slowed me down. Whereas prior to that, it was kind of get injured, run for six weeks, get injured, run for six weeks. And I've got like a word document that shows it all and it's um I I think over the course of like a few months the the amount of training I'd done when I look back sometimes I do think I don't know how I'm here where I am now because of how little training I was able to accumulate over the years which is why I think my performances of late have improved so much because I didn't I only knew what like darky determination was I, I didn't really know what consistency was because I was injured so often and it's only been sort of the last year that I actually had a full years of training and I was able to come out at the indoors um and it was the it was the only winter I've never had an injury. In fact, no, oh. I'm sorry, I'm, I had about fifteen days off in total over the winter. But that's that's the only winter I've never really picked up an injury. And to only miss fifteen days throughout the course of a winter was kind of showed why I ran as well as I did um, indoors because it kind of hasn't ever happened before, uh, which was qu quite nice to actually experience yeah. that. I think that's a really inspiring story for all our listeners because I think we've all kind of gone into that endless cycle of injury but for you the I guess the the positive of the accident was that you actually stopped and you started again but how bad were those injuries that you sustained that you kind of had to start again from are we talking you couldn't walk or are we talking kind of broken bones uh so like um it, it so when I so I kind of so when I had the crash, it was a three lane road in the in Birmingham city centre. I was picking up my younger brother from a rugby training, and um, I was in the left lane. It was heading up to the mailbox. The roads have all changed around that area now, so it's all completely different. But there was a three lane road leading up to the traffic lights. I was in the first lane. There was a lady in the third lane in the right lane, and she missed her turning off to the Crown Plaza. And she sort of realised she missed her turning, decided to do a late manoeuvre, jumped one lane jumped the second lane but didn't realize I was coming up to go past the lights as she sort of came across she's kind of sideswiped my little brother went over the top of the bike um I was sort of trapped in between the bike and the car because her where she hit me my knee was sort of wedged in between so I was sort of taken off to the side I landed on the side of a curb so I damaged all my lower back um and then um I hit my head off a bollard so I was knocked out fortunately and even now I can only give you what I've seen on CCTV and what I've my little brother remembers um but we, we, yeah, but my injuries, my little brother was okay. He was unscathed, but he woke up and saw Big Bro sort of knocked out. And was for him, it was it was pretty sketchy and scary. But for me, it was pretty chill because I kind of woke up just in pain in the hospital. Uh, my lower back just had sort of like 
the bruising on my lower back, it almost felt like my, my back wasn't a part of me. And I tore my PCL and ruptured my glute. And then I had a uh, brain damage as well. Um, but even now my glute is still sort of deformed. It kind of makes like a, I can't describe it. it it's just it, where it detached from the muscle, it kind of, as it's reattached, it's kind of all, yeah, it's kind of like a ball instead of like a, a curved shape. It kind of has like a hunch in it. Um, but yeah, my PCL uh, sort of sorted itself out because I spent three weeks bed bound afterwards. Um, and um, yeah, it was it was tough. But again, it, it kind of made me, I, I always think when you go through forms of adversity, it kind of just shapes your character and it, it kind of shows you what you what you can achieve. If you can go through the downs, the, the highs are the easy part. You seem like a, a really positive person, Elliot, but was it was it mentally quite tough to to, to go through an experience like that? And, and did you kind of worry that, you know, your running career might, you know, might not happen after that? Uh, I mean, yeah, don't don't be fooled. I mean, I, I, I at the time I went through what I felt like was how and it was the worst period of my life that I've ever experienced. I was because my head was such a mess and I was I suffered brain damage. Um, I didn't really understand what was going on and I couldn't move out of bed for three weeks. I remember having to wee in a milk bottle. Um, out the side because I physically couldn't get up. I couldn't, I didn't actually go to the toilet for a number two for three weeks. So I had like constant constipation. And then when you have like trapped wind and then I'm kind of wincing and every time I wince, I couldn't crouch because my back was hurting so much. And then every time my knee moved, it felt like it was going to fall off and because the nerves were all damaged and I had no sort of sensation in like my lower back and my right side. And yeah, it was, it was pretty, it was pretty tough because I remember going through one period where, um, it was probably about two weeks in and I just felt so down and out that my hands started peeling. And I remember it, it was, it was, it was literally like a snake. I, I could peel the skin off my hands and I don't know what that caused. I can only put that down to, I can only put that down to some form of sort of heightened depression or something like that, because I'd never experienced sort of a low like it. And, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I'd be, it'd be wrong to say I was an athlete back then. I mean, my PB was one minute, 53 seconds. I was on the back of constant injuries anyway. Um, I I kind of knew that if I got through that period that um, I would be able to sort of be an athlete. And I, I always believed that I could be one of the best. I, I just never had the opportunity to prove it. Um, and I guess after that, those three weeks in bed, I kind of knew that running was easy, really. I just had to take it slowly and sort of standing on the start line. And when you're fit is the easy part, but the dark days are where that shapes the champions, I think. Do you think that mindset kind of you say you weren't an athlete but you definitely were do you think that mindset helped you through the dark days and to have that goal of being able to run again got you through that patch yeah I think I was just a young stupid kid that wouldn't take no um I wasn't willing to be told no um to a certain extent and it's kind of like the one where it's almost like I so I've recently picked up a little bit of an injury now and it's the first injury I've had in quite a while and I think my problem is is that like I've picked up this problem um with my quad and in my head, it's like my body's telling me no, but then the other side of me saying no, I can get through this. So my problem is, is that I'm, I, I'm also my superpower is also my biggest downfall. Um, and because I'm willing to push through the pain, I have to make problems out of nothing. Um, when I should just stop, because I know I can get through it, and because my mind tells me I can get through anything, that's that's probably my biggest super, my biggest downfall. But again, it's my biggest superpower when I step on the start line because I'm 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 quite I'm more than willing to go through the pain. Um, but that pain can't be mixed with injury. Um, so again, there's there's pros and cons to to having that mindset, and it, it helps in some ways, but other ways it, it is it is um it is a, a downfall. But again, which is why I only run so limited now, and I don't run, I don't do many miles, and I only sort of run three three days, four days, absolute max a week. 
Wow. Can we talk about your training method? Because I think that's that's incredible to hear that from like an elite athlete that you might run three or four days a week. Um, how how have you how do you, have you adjusted it, and how how does it work for you? Tell us a little bit about um, your approach to training. Uh, so in summary, um, I just do three sessions a week, um, and then I might do a, like a drill session around it. Um, I don't do any runs anymore. I've stopped doing runs completely, um, and I've done, I stopped that for the last year or so. And it's it's largely because I I'd, I'd tear my I'd always tear my um I've torn my calf every year at least three times every year up until last year and it was so sort of it was so repetitive it was just it was almost annoying because I just kept tearing my calves I kept having Achilles issues and then something had to break so I, I had to figure out a way to train because I knew that I didn't need the training to be able to compete at the world level in terms of the running load I knew I didn't need to do the same as the other guys so I needed to figure out a way that I could get consistency. Um, cause consistently trumps talent, consistency trumps talent every single time in my opinion. Um, and that way was to just literally just focus on the sessions and top up the rest of it with cross training as a, as an around. And, and I guess, I guess I, I've realized that last year, largely, um, although it was COVID, um, and there was, there was lockdown, I, w- I was able to sort of just limit my training to three days a week for as a, as like a top up. And I just, I just became consistent. And when you're training for sort of six weeks back to back and six weeks become six months, I was kind of doing stuff in training and I was kind of just like, I'm, I'm not fatigued. I'm not tired. I'm not feeling like my Achilles is going to snap or my car's going to snap. It was the first year I actually ran pain free and wasn't considering like, am I going to get through the race or am I going to finish the session? And it was, it was actually quite nice and it was quite enjoyable to race without being in pain. And then I realized that through just doing three to four days a week, um, I could be sort of a real contender. And then I had a half decent year last year. And then the indoors was just like a whole different thing because all we didn't do anything different other than con- was consistent. That was all. I mean, I didn't expect to run as quick as I did um, during the indoors. I knew that I was more consistent than I'd ever been. And I think the consistency on top of the everything I'd built as those foundations just really rocketed, rocketed me forward. This is the Runner's World Podcast. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. It's absolutely amazing that because I've, I've talked to 
I guess I talked to Jake Whiteman a year ago and talked about his training. He was talking about, you know, going out and doing, you know, 12, 15 mile long runs, 80 mile weeks, um, probably running five or six times a week, maybe more. But your your approach is like the complete other end of the spectrum. And it's so, I think it's really refreshing to hear that it can be extremely successful and actually to work with the body you've got rather than to try to fit it into like the standard way of, standard way of training. Yeah, I mean, there's there's different ways to skin a cat, isn't there? I mean, like Jake, for instance, probably does sort of ping out sort of 60 to 80 to, I don't know, 90 mile a week. Whereas I only do sort of sort of 10 to 20 mile average sort of 15 mile a week. But that has to be taken with a pinch of salt because I do cr- I do cross train like an absolute animal. And I'd argue, I'd be biased and I'd argue that I'm probably the best. I I believe I cross train better than anyone else in the world in my, in my, in my event. Um, and I would, in fact, I would, yeah, I'd strongly bet myself and say that I work harder than all of the other guys. I just can't do it underfoot. Um, and so I, I take, I, I still do. So while they do a, while they'll do a 15 mile run, I just take the elliptical out for an hour or two. And my challenge is that I have to keep up with my group on the bike. So I, so my, it's actually helped my, my coaching relationship with my coach because he cycles while I, while I elliptical and the elliptical is like a weird contraption. It's like a cross trainer on wheels. It weighs about 24 kg. It's an absolute lump to get up a hill. Um, and it's, it's hard work and it's, it's probably about 33% harder than cycling, which, which levels it out with when I go out with the group and, my challenge is just to hang on to them for as long as I possibly can. And of late, because the rides have been getting so long, I haven't been able to hold on to them as much. But I know that I'm getting a workout because I often, what's known in like cycling terms, I, I often bunk all the time and I push myself so hard. I just get to the point where I just start seeing stars. I start shaking and the rest of it. And so then I've learned about fueling on the bike and stuff like that. Yeah. So I'm, I'm definitely working just as hard. Um, it's just my training takes different form. And you don't necessarily have to run big mileage, which is why a lot of us athletes get injured. and um yeah now i'm a i'm a cross training convert that competes at the high level i guess that's quality so it's, it's most of the cross training on the elliptical then or is it do you do other stuff as well no i mix it up i mix it up on the bike so i tend to on a session day i'd get on i'd do my session i'd do a gym and then i'd get on the bike i'd cycle um because i like to cycling's it's quite good just to really get a hard hit um and whilst most guys would go for an easy drug i'll just spank the bike and just really hit it hard um, and then on my days where I'm just cross training, that would just be elliptical. Um, and that's just like, it's running without the impact. So I'm still getting the same motion of the running. I'm not getting the arm movement, um, but I'm getting, I'm embracing my core, it's weight bearing, um, but I just don't get the thud through the ground. So I'm I'm getting everything you get. I don't quite get the range that you get when you're running, but I'm getting everything else. And I can, I can almost guarantee that I'm probably working my aerobic system harder than everybody else because I'm, I'm always so hard. Um, so I mean, there's 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 different ways to do it, and I, I think if you, especially marathon runners, I'm surprised it's not used by them more because they ping out some serious mileage, and the the, the trauma their bodies sort of take is is insane, and it's only due to sort of the recent technology that's sort of really helping, like the cushioning that trainers are offering now, that's probably helping athletes. But I mean, prior to that, I'm surprised they weren't using cross training methods more, um, rather than pinging out hundreds of miles a week, um, because it definitely it definitely helps, I think. I think you are. I think it could be a badge of honour for someone who's kind of, you know, saying, oh, yeah, I've put together, you know, 80, 90, 100 mile weeks and actually not potentially thinking about other avenues um, yeah. that, you can get, that you can get fit with. But I think it's really refreshing yeah, to hear you talk sure. about that. I think that's great. I've seen a woman on one in Battersea Park and they look so hard. I don't know how she navigates that thing. <laughs> like, I'm so impressed that you're on that for hours because she, lo- I have so much respect. <laughs> They are difficult to manoeuvre and, and to ride around, but 
again if and the beauty of it is is that because you're such like a an ugly object <laughs> everybody yeah. notices you so there's an element of safety way. in it as well and because you're so high off the ground as long as you're not tackling wind because you do become a real windbreak um yeah yeah like you just become somewhat of a sail so as long as you've got the wind with you it's it's um it's quite fun and as long as the hills aren't too big um but we've got a few hills near my house and i've um i've sort of conquered every hill nearby and there's there's a one called horse block hollow or bar hatch and it gets up to about 21 percent um which is about as steep as you get in the uk and i remember the first time i tried it and i physically just couldn't get up there um and then so that always became like one of my challenges and i managed to get I did get up there um, a few months ago and I just remember thinking it was one of the hardest things I've ever done. And again, when you think about running, getting up that hill, a race is easy and the training yeah. and the rest of it is easy. When you're, when you're yeah. hunking something that weighs 24 kg up a hill that doesn't have a low enough gear and you're just grinding out more than you've ever done before. And you're sort of contemplating life. I think running 800 meters or 1500 meters becomes I'm easy. I'm picturing you rolling <laughs> down a hill on one of those. <laughs> slowly yeah it's quite it's quite sketchy because the wheels are so small they're only about 20 inch or about 18 and um it's so long maneuvering is quite difficult and it's only got v-brakes so it is it is quite sketchy going downhill <laughs> yeah. um, especially because because it's so heavy you can pick up more speed than you would on a bicycle um because it just kind of throws you down but it's no it's good fun and your rest days when you're not cross training are they fully rest recovery that you're not doing anything on those days or are you a fan of this kind of active recovery uh, it varies it depends so um i i hit cross training so hard when i was just in training camp that i'd never felt fatigue like it and i was i yeah i was probably why i, I picked up a little bit of my injury um because I, I was so fatigued i haven't experienced anything like it and i think my rest days then were were still sort of going for a walk and i always i, I we've got a little dog that we have and i always like I like walking just to sort of clear my mind and be free because we live in quite a nice part of the UK. And no, I, I guess every day I sort of go for that walk, even on a rest day. And um, But if I am completely just fried, then I'll just lie in bed all day or watch Netflix all day until I can, until my girlfriend comes home and then I have to get up. <laughs> so I've seen, I've seen videos, um, Elliot, of you in this van. Can you tell us about this van, the van life? What, what's going on? Uh, so the so van life started in 2018 and there's, there's good and bad to it. So, um, I had this sort of idea where I wanted to, um, I don't know why I just really wanted, I, I grew up camping for context. So I grew up always camping and yeah. doing all sort of the outward like activities and like canoeing, kayak and sailing. We would go up to Scotland quite often and we'd walk and we'd just get lost. And then, um, we'd, we'd go camping and we'd take the bikes and we'd just disappear forever. And I've always, I've always really enjoyed that lifestyle and, um, the inevitable I wanted to, um, I just wanted to buy a, I wanted to buy a bus or a, a van and just convert it into a camper and 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 I did that but the problem is is that I did that during the track season and it right. was probably the most stupid thing I'd ever done <laughs> but for context I think the reason why I did do it was because I was in such a bad place I slipped a disc in my back um and I was in a, I was in a lot of pain I had a lot of pain more pain than I've, I've ever experienced ever um I'm not sure if you ever slipped a disc but it's no no and I I it was over in the commonwealths um in in Brisbane in um and the gold coast and um yeah i'd never experienced pain like it and i think i was just in such a bad way i i had this idea in my head and i was running with it and because i ran i decided to race with a slip disc i was yeah i was in a bad place so i came back and i was like i'm buying this van just to sort of i think i've probably done it to try and cheer myself up so we bought this um we bought this we bought this disability bus that came over from northern ireland and this um this really small irish guy drove it over um because i didn't actually have a license for it because it was a it was a it was a four-ton vehicle 
So I needed a special lorry license for it. Um, converted the the van in short. Um, and yeah, I converted it, put like a, a full king size bed. Um, put there was a fridge, there's a cooker, there's a um, there's solder on the roof, there's electric. I've got an inverter. There's a sink there's a full shower there's a full composting toilet every amenity you have in the house i have in the van bar a washing machine and wow. so it had it had all the creature comforts that you could you can dream of um i mean i could even do my ironing in there if i wanted to from the solar on the roof so i had a big enough ba- battery bank and yeah i just um i i it went from it went from a trip around europe with some friends to um moving in there for six months and then i lived in it for six months um wow. But the novelty wears off. I think when you live in a van and you <laughs> haven't got, unless you've got land, um, because I was in the Brighton area, I think the novelty of it was great for the first like few months. And then after a while, you're like, I, I probably need to get back in the house. Because if I'm trying to be a professional athlete, I can live in a van after when my career is done. But for now, I probably should get the focus back on where it needs to be. That's literally Rick's dream. <laughs> you've literally described Rick's dream. <laughs> Yeah, living living near Brighton in a van, I, I'm I can definitely get on board with that. That's good. It's, and there's, I've got about I've got I had a 17 day turnaround for because um, when when as athletes we have like uh, what's called Adams and it's like a passport where you have to update for anti dolphin. So I had 17 spots with GPS coordinates. So I'd have to give my GPS coordinates and then like a short description and stuff with exactly where I was. And I had a 70 day turnaround. So if you ever need um if you ever need advice or want advice as where to spot, I can I can show you some of the best spots in and around Brighton. Yeah. Thank you very much. Um, if, if you set off now, do you reckon you could probably get to Tokyo in the van, couldn't you? Just about time. Uh, yeah, I, I, I guess so. Yeah, I mean, um, <laughs> it'd be a long <laughs> drive, but quite a few yeah. ferries to catch. But yeah, possible. Could we quickly talk about um, Tokyo? Because obviously, like the, the eight hundred meter indoor time was amazing. Um, what, what, what for you qualifies as success at the Olympics? What, what are you hoping? To, what are you hoping for? Uh, I, I, I think quite short term when I when I train and I haven't actually thought about Tokyo too much in terms of that's always the broader goal but I'm I'm sort of thinking about tomorrow and getting my body right for British trials um so I, th- I think my my goal now is to get fit uh, Tokyo's also um sorry it's to get over the, the little issue I've got at the moment but um the, go- the main goal is always Tokyo but I don't tr- I try my best not to think too far ahead it's, it's always the main goal um I'm super excited for it I've got it as my my screensaver on my phone so i see the track every day just as like a reminder of what i'm working towards um but um but yeah no i haven't i'm i'm just i guess there's an element of excitement but i i try i'm trying to walk before i can before i can run because it's still it's still somewhere away and the competition in the uk at the moment is so high that i think if you think too far ahead then you might just get caught caught um caught lacking if you like I was going to just, I mean, like you say, it's, it's an amazing crop of um, middle distance runners, both men and, and women. Do you, do you think there's any reason why we are enjoying such a sort of golden period for um, British middle distance running at the minute? Yeah, I'm, I hope it does become golden. It's not quite there yet because none of us have actually won a medal um, or done anything really. Besides a few quick times from a few of us, there's there's nothing really to note to say that it's it's quite that area but I, I think we're definitely edging there um and there's a real diverse mix because i mean i'm 26 and then you've got a few others that are going down to the age of 19 so it's going to be by the sounds of it if it keeps work going like this it will be um because i mean I, I plan on running for the next five years minimum i mean f- i've got four i know i've got another four good years uh, based on my age um so i plan on being around for a good five or six years so they have they're not going to shrug me off anytime <laughs> soon so i'm going to make them work for it um but i i am um, I am. Um, I. I don't know. I. I don't know why it's why it suddenly happened. I mean, I. I. I guess. I guess my issue why I didn't perform when I was younger was largely because I spent so many days on the sideline that I could never compete. So um, I was never quite there, and I sort of figured out what works for me. And 
I guess this new crop that's suddenly just emerged. And um, I mean, some of us have been around for a while, like myself, Jamie and Dan Rowden, we're all um, sort of ranging from 23 to, to 26. So we're all sort of, I guess you could say established. Um, and I guess we're all hungry and it's just come at a time where, and I think when you have one person running well, it brings on the next and then that brings on the next and then that hunger sparks. And then we're all just realizing that we're not running for second and, th and third place now. We've, we're going to be contenders. We're going to have to be brave enough to run from the front and just and run hard and forget about everything else and just win the race. Like we can't settle for second best anymore because second's not good enough and second's not going to get you anywhere in life. Nobody ever remembers the guy who came second. They only ever remember the, the guy who won it. Can we talk about footwear? What are you training in at the moment? What are you racing in? Do you think what's on your feet makes a big difference? Yeah, I think so. I, I at the moment I like. I'm a big fan of. Um, so I've changed up my footwear a lot, and I think that's. I think that's also contributed towards why um, I'm getting injured less because um, like the trainers that that Nike have now um, with the cushioning, they just the the impacts greatly reduced, and you're no longer taking like the the pounding on your on your on your legs anymore. Um, and it, I, I think that definitely contributes towards consistency. Um, so at the moment, I like wearing my. I like wearing Zoom flies. Um, I like the tempos next percents um and i like my spikes i like both dragonflies and the victories um and I, i'm also testing out the max fly um however i haven't had a chance to properly give them a will yet but i'm quite excited to would the max fly be the ones that if you know if, if everything goes well they'd be on your feet in in tokyo i think so yeah they're um they're I, I like an aggressive spike um but i also don't like a spike that's too like I like cushioning, so I want to know that I can do a session in them without feeling like my calves are going to snap. Um, and the Max Fly are, are cushioned whilst being aggressive. And I think when you marry the two together, it, it, it kind of gives you something that you can actually perform in and, and actually go and do the same the following day without having to take a day off or two. Um, so, I, I, yeah, I think it's edging that way. Um, so either it will be the Max Fly or the Victory, I think. Um, I, ran, I ran in the indoors in the Victory, but I, I was always looking for something slightly more aggressive. Um, especially when you're running from the front, you kind of want to be efficient. You don't want to be sort of, you don't want any wasted energy and you want to sort of propel yourself forward and you want to move forward. And that's kind of, I guess, a stiff for the spike. The, um, in theory, if your body can handle it, um, the quicker you can go. Can we quickly talk about that, that um, remarkable indoor 800 metres? Was it one of those races where everything just clicked? Did, did you know how, how kind of... Um remarkable it was in the moment or was it a kind of shock for you when you saw the the time at the end yeah i was i was going through an, like an aura of invincibility i think through that period and because i i laid down the foundations quite early and i was sort of running 145 uh, five and i was i was feeling my first race i opened in 145 five which is it's pretty quick indoors to open in that time it's it's normally what you run towards like mid or towards the end of your your indoor campaign and i opened in that and i remember thinking that's my first race indoors and I, I was still very comfortable. Um, so I knew that I was going to pop something big because I always shift about two seconds from what I what I open with. Um, and that's just what I, I normally do. And um, yeah, I guess I guess I um, it was funny because that, that evening before that race, I was sort of getting the shakes in bed and I thought I was getting ill. And I was like, my body was just twitching. And I was like, <laughs> there was something, I wasn't sure what was going to happen that day. And I was like, I, I said to myself, it's going to be, it's going to be great or it's going to be disastrous. So I figured I'm going to, I figured in my, I just said in my head, I may as well try and strike for great. Um, rather than listening to my body and actually thinking that it's, it's going to break down, which I actually thought it was the night before. Cause I, I didn't get much sleep and I was, I definitely felt I was borderline getting ill. Um, and yeah, I just figured there's nothing to lose. It's, it's one of my last races indoors. It's going to be quick. Um, 
the pace was lucky. Like, it was the first race actually that the pacer actually asked me what I wanted. It was kind of like it was set up for me, if that makes any sense, which was which is really weird. And the guys in the race actually were looking to me and asking me what I wanted, um, which I'm not used to, which actually meant that there was like an element of they were happy to just sit on me and let me do the work, which I thought was great because I was like, I'm, I'm ha- like, I want to do the work. Let me do the work. You guys can sit and ride the wave. And if you can beat me, then I'm going to make you work for it. Um, but I was, I was more than happy to, to, to sort of be in that, be in that position. And yeah, I, I knew I was, I knew I was in great shape. Um, I actually was a bit, I was a bit gutted that there wasn't more races afterwards because I, I knew that I was only getting quicker and quicker. I'm not saying I would have ran quicker than that, but I felt like, um, I felt like it was a real upward trajectory and I sort of ran that and my coach was like, no, I'm shutting you down now. Um, we don't need any more from this. The main aim is the outdoors and there's you once you go this high, um, there's only the only way is down and we didn't know where we wanted to get to and we wanted to sort of experience that at the outdoor season where we have more time because the indoor season is so limited. Um, he just wanted to shut me down because um, he wanted me to perform like that sort of two weeks afterwards for the Europeans. So um, no, he made a call and um, yeah, we, we shut down early and um, grabbed our money and ran if you like. If um, we kind of felt like we robbed the bank and we didn't want to stay in there too long <laughs> is there is there one um sort of track session and let's let's say this isn't on the elliptico just because i guess listeners are unlikely to have ready access to the elliptico what one running track session that you value um above any other uh probably five three hundreds off off five minutes um only because it's not about the session. It's more of a test of character. And it's it's a really hard session to get your head around. And most people, putting it bluntly, don't have the guts to, to attack the session the way you're supposed to. Um, whereas I always know that this session is not about times. It's about effort. Um, and it's it's literally eyeballs out from the get-go. And that's that's whenever I do that session, I know that because anybody can run quick when you're relaxed and when it's going good. But I always know that. I always get to the third rep in that session. And I life is suddenly yeah. i'm questioning everything and the fourth rep is a complete write-off and the, the fifth rep is almost like a it's yeah you can't even you physically can't walk to get on the, onto the line and i i always think that if you're if you attack the first two reps and you run them like they're your last two reps and you're flat out the last three reps yeah they're gonna hurt but it's all you're doing is testing your character and for me i always i always do that just to know that that session will always hurt a million times harder than a race. So that, which is why I always say the training's the hard part, the racing's the fun part. I mean, racing hurts, but it doesn't hurt anywhere near as much as training does if if you do it right. And I think if you want to put in that work for a, for the race itself, then you you've almost missed the boat because the racing's it's only one rep really. You only have to sort of dig in for the last forty seconds of the the final sort of lap. Um, but besides that, when you're talking about training and those five three hundreds, boy, that's um that's a whole different kettle of fish because you've got time to break and reset and then hurt yourself some more. And then you have to repeat that again. And it's, it's, yeah, it's horrible. It's pretty tough. And it, thanks, thanks so much for, uh, for making the time to speak with us on the podcast. It's absolutely great to hear about your running journey and the, and the kind of unusual training techniques that are really working for you. And we wish you all the best of luck um, with all your running in the summer and, uh, and hopefully lots of success at Tokyo as well. Awesome. Thank you. This is the runner's world podcast. So that brings us to the end of this week's Run As Well podcast. A huge thanks to our guest, Elliot Giles, and to you, of course, for listening. You can subscribe to three issues of Run As Well for just £5. Head over to hearstmagazines.co.uk slash podcast to get this exclusive listener offer. You can listen to the Run As Well UK podcast on Acast, iTunes, and all of your favourite podcast apps. Just search Run As Well UK and make sure you click subscribe. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again next week. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com/pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlingbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 